Thank you all so very much. It's been a wonderful 10 years. We were at breakfast this morning uh, with our guest and uh, our pastors and just say we look forward to the next 10 years and all the fruit and all the souls that are going to be saved and lives changed and transformed. Amen. But thank you all very much. We love you and we, uh, we're we very excited about the next 10 years and what God has in store. And uh, uh, But just thank you from the bottom of our hearts. Uh, you're an easy group of people to pastor and easy to love. Amen. And God is good. Praise the Lord. Thank you so very much for me and my family. Some of those pictures brought back a lot of memories, a lot of tears. And um, But uh, without further ado, um, I have been very, very excited to have pastors Mark and Sandra K. Williams here. Uh, they pastor North Cleveland Church of God. They have... They have gone from being evangelists to pastors of the South Cleveland Church of God and from there to River Hills in Tampa and state overseer in California, ultimately general overseer of the Church of God. And they pastor now uh, the North Cleveland Church of God. Uh, I can't begin to even tell you the impact they have had on Holly and I. Uh, from day one, walking in the church, Sister Sandra Kay, Pastor Sandra Playing her French horn in the in the in the brass section, and uh, Pastor, he is you are in for a treat. He is a prince of preachers, but uh, she is an ordained minister in the Church of God as well. Pastors the international uh, pastors over the international prayer center there in North Cleveland Church of God. About thirty intercessory prayer groups. She is a prayer warrior at heart. She's also a wonderful speaker of the gospel. She'll be speaking at uh, chapel service at Lee University here coming up soon. Speaks everywhere, her and Pastor Mark do. Uh, they have two wonderful children, Austin, who's a little bit older than Caitlin, and I was trying to set them up early. Austin's single, Caitlin's single. I said, man, we need to get this thing going here. <laughs> uh, but uh, Austin and Ryan, two beautiful boys, wonderful, wonderful boys. Uh, Caitlin's ducking down in the chair there. Sorry, you knew I had to go there, baby doll. <laughs> but... Yeah, that's true, I did. <laughs> but uh, they, are, uh, they are precious. Pastor, pastors Mark and Sister Sandra Kay, they, they, are, they are both pastors. They, they, they pastor the church there. And they, uh, when Holly and I first got married, um, we were at Lee. We still had two years to finish, and we were searching for a church. And she said, hey, I went to this church, South Cleveland Church of God, and she said, I believe we found our church. She said, you're going to love this guy preaching. She said, he didn't even have a Bible. He didn't. I mean, he just knows the whole Bible. And we went in there and sure enough, anointed and powerful. And we locked in there. And under his ministry, I legitimately got saved. Um, they dedicated our first child. He'll probably share a little story about when Caitlin was born and what he and Sister Sandra Kay ran into there. Uh, uh, they had a little class on the Holy Spirit. He may not even remember this, but he did a little class, Sunday school class, for anybody that was new to Pentecost about the Holy Spirit, the gifts of the Spirit, and speaking in tongues, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And it was me and Holly and one other couple in there. Sometimes that other couple wasn't there. It was just Holly and I. And he taught us the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I got baptized in the Holy Spirit. The evidence of speaking in, with other tongues in their church. Uh, they endorsed us uh, in ministries. As a matter of fact, when I got called to ministries, another f funny story that we were talking about over brunch this morning. 
But Holly was not, as you know, interested at all in ministry. And when Pastor Williams believed me and believed that it was a call of God, he and Pastor Sandra Kay, and they set us forth, brought us up on the stage, shared our testimony, said, I believe God's in this. I believe God has called this young couple, and we're going to send them out. And he sent us out in the ministry field. It was then and only then when Pastor Williams believed that she was going to believe that I was called in the ministry. And uh, he is a man of God. They are people of God. He and Pastor Sandra Kay are the most precious, humble, gentle, kind, sweet-spirited, wonderful people of God you'll ever run across in your life. And to the day I die, if they pastor two people in a shack in Africa or wherever, he will always be pastor to me. He's had a thumbprint on my life, mine and Holly's and our families. If you have been impacted in any way from our ministry, it began with them, Pastors Mark and Sandra Kay. As a matter of fact, he doesn't know I'm going to do this, but I'd like for you to pull up my letter before I got ever hired in the ministry from South Cleveland Church of God, dated June 4th, 1997. To whom it may concern, it gives me great personal satisfaction to recommend the life and ministry of Dallas Howard. In the time that I've known to him, Dallas has proven himself faithful to God in every aspect of church life. He combines in his person the admirable qualities of loyalty, hard work, and attention to detail. His people's skills should enable him to minister effectively to persons from all walks of life. Best of all, Dallas has a teachable spirit, an attitude so necessary for staff ministry. Dallas is blessed with a wonderful companion, Holly. Holly herself is multi-talented and augments her husband's ministry in every way. A dynamic singer, her vocal gifts have blessed our congregation time and again. Together, this wonderful couple exhibit the epitome of team ministry. I commend this family to you and stand ready to answer any questions you may have regarding their ministry potential. Your servant, for Jesus' sake, Mark Williams, senior pastor. And that was the letter that I gave to my first pastor who hired me and lost his mind. And Anyways, but I want you to join me in welcome. This is my pastor and forever and always will be Pastor Mark Williams. Will you please come? Thank you, Pastor. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So proud of you. My goodness, I, uh, I'm totally overwhelmed. What a joy and what a privilege it is for Sandra Kay and me to come to the beautiful city of Cincinnati and celebrate 25 years of faithful ministry in Holly and Dallas Howard to be with Haley and Caitlin, to be with Aaron, to be with Trinity, to be with this amazing family and all of you, there is nothing that has honored us more than to just be here and see you honor this wonderful family. I love uh, Dallas and Holly so very much. I do remember 
when Dallas came to me and Holly did, and they sat in my office, Dallas looking excited and Holly looking like this. And he began to tell me about his call in the ministry. And Holly rolling her eyes and just trying to endure all of this. And Holly said to me, but you know, you, you, do you really know him? Are you sure he is called in the ministry? But to see their lives meld together. And to see the Lord use them in such a spectacular way has meant the world. Holly coming from a preacher's home and less than perfect denominational systems. I can totally understand the way that she felt. But my, oh my, the future that God had for them and how God has blessed them. Sandra and I are so honored to be part of your lives. And um, will be until the day we die. Then came along Caitlin, and Haley, and Aaron, Trinity. Caitlin's birth was very special. As Dallas mentioned, she was born, and Sandra Kay, you'll have to help me, within a year of our first son's birth, Austin. Sandra Kay and I, Sandra had a very traumatic time in giving birth to Austin. It was really something of a miracle how the Lord brought her through. So on a Sunday morning, we heard that Holly was ready to deliver at any time. So knowing what we went through, we rushed through service and rushed over to the hospital to try to comfort her, to assure her that everything is going to be all right only to find her sitting up in bed, having already delivered Caitlin, eating a Whopper hamburger, <laughs> smiling, makeup on, and saying, oh, hi, y'all. No problem. We love Caitlin so much. We love Haley. We love Aaron. And now Trinity is such a privilege. You all are the best. Thank you for honoring us, and thank you for the privilege to be here. And what a great church family this is, and how wonderful it is that they have the privilege to be with you at such a strategic time in life and in ministry, to see how that you are building a bridge of hope, to be reminded that you are a church without walls, that you are a church who realize that the church is more than a building, that the church is people. And it's all about people. And it's all about Jesus. What a wonderful day this is. I want to ask you to join me in the word of the Lord, if you don't mind. In the gospel according to Luke. In Luke chapter 5. And if you don't mind, let's stand for the reading of the word of the Lord. In Luke chapter 5, and I will be reading from the New International Version. But whatever version you happen to have with you, feel free to join me, starting with verse 1. One day, 
As Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, the people were crowding around him and listening to the word of God. He saw at the water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little from shore. Then he sat down and he taught the people from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. But because you say so, I'll let down the nets. When they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and he said, Go away from me, Lord. I'm, I'm a sinful man. For he and his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. Then Jesus said to Simon, Don't be afraid. From now on, you will fish for people. So they pulled their boats up on shore. They left everything. And they followed him. Launch out. Go deep. Leave all. Follow me. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be unto God. You may be seated. Many years ago, as a sophomore of Lee College, I sat in the chapel service and heard a visiting convocation speaker quote the words of an old hymn. When you walk with the Lord in the light of his word, what glory he sheds on our way. When we abide with him still, we trust and obey. Not a burden we bear, not a sorrow we care, but the Lord doth richly repay. Not a grief, not a loss, not a frown nor a cross, but is blessed to those who trust and obey. Trust and obey, for there's no other way to live happy in Jesus 
but to trust and obey. That convocation speaker began to speak on the question, can I trust God with my life? Sooner or later, all of us at some time encounter the presence of Jesus. And all of us begin to ask that question, can we really trust God with our lives? Can we trust God with our lives in a world where two-thirds of the world go to bed hungry every night? A third of the world is starving and much of the rest of the world live lives of emptiness and meaninglessness. Can we trust God with our lives when nation is rising against nation? We see the brutality of war that is taking place in Eastern Europe. We hear the threats of nuclear and biological Terrorism. Can we really trust God? Can we trust God with our lives when every one out of two marriages are ending in painful divorce? Where a child growing up in America has a greater than 60% chance of living in a fatherless home by the time they are 16? Can we really trust God with our lives when every 15 seconds a woman is beaten and battered and becomes a victim of domestic violence in their own homes? We trust God with our lives when we are a church on the move, when we are a church without a building per se to our name, and we have this call to reach the world for Jesus Christ. Can we really trust God? Well, this is the question that came to Simon Peter and others as they gathered around this beautiful lake called Galilee. In Luke chapter 5, the setting for those of us who are lifers in following Jesus is very familiar. The lake or Galilee or the lake of Tiberias, the sea of Gennesaret or the lake of Gennesaret, all of those are names for the same place. It was located on the southern region of the Jordan Valley. It was one of the crossroads of the world at that time. It was the crossroads of the world because four different roads converged right there at the Sea of Galilee. People from Rome, people who were Greeks, people who were Jews, all of them had somehow traversed across that place called Galilee. The Sea of Galilee was a lake that was about 13 and a half miles long. It was seven and a half miles wide. It had approximately 30 miles of shoreline. On the north of that lake, there were mountains that rose up to 4,000 feet. On the east and the west, there were mountains that rose up to 2,000 feet. Around the east, north, and or rather the east, the south, and the west of that lake were the cities of the Decapolis. That was a place where so many people converged because of the fishing industry. The fishing industry thrived during the days of Jesus at the Sea of Galilee. Josephus, in his writings, estimated that there were some 230 ships each night that would be seen fishing the Sea of Galilee. And yes, the best fishing was at night. The Sea of Galilee reached depths of about 200 feet deep. The best fishing was at night. During the daytime, the fish 
would escape the heat, that would escape all of the various noises around the lake and would go very deep down into the crevices of the bottom of the lake near the springs that fed that lake along with the Jordan River. They would hide under the rocks that were there at the bottom of the lake. But at night, they would begin to surface up from those springs and those rocks and they would move toward the shoreline and they would begin to feed. And it was at night that the fishermen in their boats would begin to glide across the sea. They're standing on their boats with lanterns. They would look for their prey and soon the spears would be flying and soon the nets would be thrown. Those nets were many times made of flax or they were made of linen. And therefore, during the day, they had to be dried out very quickly because those nets would easily rot. They had to untangle those nets during the day because the bottom of those nets had little stones or rocks that were used to weight the nets to enable them to be thrown and be enable them to sink down to be able to catch the fish. And frankly, during the day after fishing all night, much of a fisherman's time was spent just untangling the nets, drying out the nets. And sometimes it took longer to dry them out than they actually spent fishing and pulling in fish. Luke chapter 5, as we open the Bible, suddenly we see that it is morning time at the Sea of Galilee. The sun is just beginning to rise over the eastern horizon. The boats are anchored and the fishermen are out and they are repairing their nets. The lake is glistening in the sunlight. And in the silence of that moment, they are beginning to work to prepare for the night that was ahead. And all of a sudden, the silence of Galilee was interrupted by what looked to be throngs of people that had made their way out of the towns of the Decapolis and out of Tiberias and out of Capernaum. And all of them were converging on this northwestern shore of the sea, not far from Capernaum. When they paused long enough to look, they saw that all of them were following this teacher, this rabbi, this Jesus of Nazareth. He had announced that the Spirit of the Lord was upon him. For the Lord had anointed him to preach the gospel to the poor, to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, to recover sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised, and to preach the, the acceptable year of the Lord. He was different from all of the other teachers that they heard in synagogue. He taught as one having authority and not as the scribes. At his word, the blind were beginning to see and the lame were beginning to walk and the lepers were being healed and the, the dead were being raised. There was something different and the throngs of people were drawn to him. People were pressing on him. People were climbing up in trees just to get a glimpse of him. The blind were crying out, Lord, son of David, have mercy upon me. And as the crowds began to throng toward Jesus, Jesus looked around and he happened to see a young man that he had met some days before. And his name was Simon. Simon, along with his brother Andrew, were raised around the Sea of Galilee. 
They had been born up on the northeastern shore in a town called Bethsaida, a fishing village. They were commercial fishermen. Together with James and John, they had a fishing business. He saw Peter, Simon, as he was known then. And he was there untangling his net and repairing his net. And when Jesus saw him, he simply got into his boat and invited Simon to go in with him and said, let's go out. Let's push out from here. And so there, Simon at Jesus' word just pushed out a little bit from the shore, sort of into a cove, so that there was an amphitheater of ground around him. And there from that boat, he sat as a rabbi and began to use the water to amplify his voice, to reach all of the multitudes were there, and he began to teach them. Peter later probably reflected on this and thought, yes, Jesus was there fishing for people. And after Jesus got through teaching, he said to Simon, as the crowd was being dispersed, he said to Simon, launch out. Go out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. The question comes, can we trust Jesus? If Jesus tells us to go back to a place we have already been, to go back to a place where we failed, to go back to a place of barrenness, to go back to a place of fruitfulness, to retrace our steps and go back to a place of failure? Can we trust Jesus if he says, go back to that place where you have come back empty? After all, Peter looked at Jesus and said, Lord, don't you know, we've already been there. We've already done that. We have toiled all night Long and we were not successful. And now you're telling us to go back where we've already been, to do what we've already done. And that even though we were unsuccessful, you're telling us to go back to our place of failure and try again. Can we trust Jesus if Jesus says, retrace your steps and go back and try again? Can we trust Jesus if he tells us to go back to that person that we have had such a terrible relationships and try again? Can we trust Jesus if he tells us to go back to that neighborhood and begin to tell that neighborhood about Jesus when we've gone door to door, day after day, and nothing has resulted? Can we trust Jesus if Jesus tells us in our business to try that product one more time? Can we trust Jesus if he tells us to go back to the place that we have failed? Oh, but Peter... What you don't understand is that before you went out last night, you went out 
on your own. You went out simply with your own skills. But if you go out with me, yes, you can trust Jesus. Because if Jesus tells you to go and I'm going to be with you, you know that it won't result in failure. You know that it will result in victory. Can we trust Jesus if he tells us go back to a place of failure? Do it all over again. Now this in no way should be applied to going back into an abusive marriage. In no way should this be applied to going back to a place of violence. But there are moments when Jesus says go back and try again. And when you do, I will be with you. It makes a difference when Jesus was on board. It makes a difference when God tells you to go back. Ask Moses. Moses had to go back to a place of failure in Egypt when he had failed in liberating God's people, when he was looked upon as nothing more than perhaps one who had betrayed the house of Pharaoh and killed an Egyptian. But now, all of these years later, God says, go back and I'm going to be with you and tell Pharaoh to let my people go. Sometimes the Lord calls us to retrace our steps and to go back and do something all over again. But this time, to do it with Him in charge. Jesus says to Peter, yes, you can trust me. Go out and go deep. Let down your nets for a catch. It's never pleasant when Jesus comes to you and invites you to go deep. Because going deep means you have to leave your own sense of security. As long as you can go in ankle deep or knee deep or waist deep, as long as you can put your feet on the bottom, you don't have to trust anyone but yourself. But what do you do when Jesus tells you go deeper than your ankle? Go deeper than your knee. Go deeper than your waist. Go out into a place that is over your head. Deep places are places where you can't always feel secure. Deep places are places where you cannot even see. You can't even see the future. You can't even see the bottom. You can't even see what is under there. But Jesus says, go deep. And when you go deep, you feel completely vulnerable. You feel like you have to abandon yourself. Because going deep requires self-abandonment. Going deep is filled with pressure. The deeper you go, the greater the pressure. NOAA, the National Oceanic Atmospheric Administration, says that you and I, when we walk on terra firma, when we walk on ground, when we walk on planet Earth, that our bodies are actually enduring about 14.5 pounds of atmospheric pressure that is pressing in against us, just from the atmosphere. 
14.5 pounds per square inch. We don't, we don't feel it. We don't recognize it. Because our bodies, the fluids in our bodies are also pressing back out 14.5 pounds of pressure per square inch. We don't even recognize it. But when you go into water and you go deeper into water, the deeper you go, the more you feel pressure. In fact, they say for every 33 feet you dive, 14.5 pounds of pressure per square inch is added. So that the deeper you continue to go, the more pressure you feel on your lungs. I have a good friend of mine who is a pastor. and He has somewhat of a uh, lung disorder. And he talked about the terror that he felt when he went deep sea diving for the first time. As he went down and down and down and down, all of a sudden the pressure on his lungs, even though he was properly suited, grew greater and greater, greater. And the deeper you go, the more pressure you feel. Maybe the pressure that some of us are feeling is not so much from the enemy that is against us as it is from the fact that we're going deeper and deeper and deeper with Jesus. But can we trust him when he calls us to places that we cannot see? Can we trust him when he calls us to go to places that we cannot even feel secure? Can we trust him when the pressure gets great and it increases? Oh. Yes, we can trust him. We can trust him. He's the same one that called Abraham out of a familiar place. And Abraham could not even see where he was going. And the pressure was there. And yet he was faithful to Abraham. You can trust him. He was faithful to Moses when Moses had to cross this deep red sea. And there was a million or two people that he was responsible for. And the pressure was great. And their past was chasing him. But God caused that red sea to open and allow them to go through on dry ground. He saw the invisible he chose the imperishable and when he did God did the impossible you can trust him if he invites you to go deeper with him and to go into places that you've never been before you don't have to be afraid he's got a pillar of cloud by day he's got a pillar of fire by night he can make crooked places straight and rough places plain you can trust him even when you cannot see where he's leading you. Go deep. Launch out. <laughs> Let down. Let down your net. Wait. It's the wrong time of day. It's the wrong direction. This is not the time of fishing. But when Jesus is on board... Every time is the right time. Let down your nets. <laughs> Go deep. He went back to the place he had failed. He took that net that he was trying to untangle and mend. 
And he threw it out. (laughs) And when he did, all of a sudden, the fish that were hiding under those rocks just swam out and went right into that net. Those fish that had been hiding from the heat of the day just swam out right into that net. Fish from all over the depths of Galilee started looking for that net and ran into that net. The net got so full as they were beginning to pull that net up, the net began to break And Simon, being a great fisherman, didn't want to alert others to the spot that he was fishing. So he just signaled his partners. You'll notice the language of the New Testament. He motioned to them. He signaled to his partners. He didn't want everybody to know where this place was. So out came James and John. They threw their net down. They were hauling in those nets. And the nets were full. Now, those boats, the boats at Galilee were 23 feet long and 7 feet wide. They had a crew of five, four to oar, one to steer. They could hold up to 11 to 13 more passengers, or if not passengers, they could carry on that boat up to a half a ton of fish. The nets... We're breaking, and they rolled in, and the fish, more than 2,000 pounds per boat, filled with fish, and it was almost like the boat was laboring to be able to stay afloat. Can you trust Jesus? If he calls you to leave your success and follow him. They got to shore with those boats. Those boats were loaded down with fish. Those boats taken to, uh, those fish, half a ton, well a ton together, taken to market They could have lived a long time without even worrying about going out for another catch with the kind of catch they got. Oh, the marketing. Oh, the way that we could open franchises here. Oh, the business opportunities that could be available. Think about the 401Ks. Think about our children. But it was then, not after the failure, it was then after the success that Jesus turned to Peter. And he said, don't be afraid. From now on, you will catch people. And the scripture says, they pulled their boats to the shore and they left Everything and followed him. Can you trust Jesus enough to even leave your success? It's not hard to answer the call of the Lord when he calls you from a failure, (laughs) at least for me. It's not hard at all 
when I have failed here and failed there and the Lord says, here, follow me. Yeah, absolutely, I'll follow you. But when you've had the greatest success of your life, when all of a sudden your dreams are starting to come true, when all of a sudden things are beginning to grow and the Lord shows up and says, follow me. Once upon a time, there was a young man that was born in the state of Florida. There was a woman that was born in the state of Virginia. They found themselves married. They found themselves at Lee College. Business opportunities lay ahead for such a brilliant couple. And suddenly the Lord awakens his heart and says, follow me and I will make you fishers of people. And after the wife was convinced, which was no small task, she heard the call of the Lord and together they left success and they began to follow Jesus to Bremen, Georgia they went following Jesus to Cincinnati, Ohio they came following Jesus take a church that was birthed in 1923 and transitioned that church toward its future Leaving past success. <laughs> and here they go and here you went. Following Jesus. Can you trust him? I'm so glad I've learned to trust him. Precious Jesus. Savior friend. And I know that you are with me. Will be with me to the end. Jesus, Jesus, how I trust him. How I've proved him more and more. Jesus, Jesus, precious Jesus. Oh, for grace to trust him more. On this 10th anniversary of Pastors Holly and Dallas Howard, and on this 25th anniversary of their ministry I somehow hear the Lord saying you haven't seen nothing yet launch out go deep you can trust me even when I call you to try something again or I call you to leave your Success. Follow me. You haven't seen anything yet. What is the Lord speaking to your heart today? Maybe in your particular area of life and vocation, you've been having these thoughts of trying something again. 
If it's the Lord calling you, you can do it if he's with you. Maybe the Lord is calling you to go deeper, and you've been afraid to. Because <laughs> you don't know what's down there. You don't know what's out there. You can do it if he calls you to go deeper. What if he's calling you to leave something that's been successful and to just abandon it all and follow him? If he's calling you, you can do it. He is faithful. Shall we stand together, please, for a moment? Holy Spirit, you are in this place today. You are moving and you are touching hearts. I pray today, O oh Lord, for there to be a retracing of steps, a return for some here today that maybe have wandered far, far away from you, thinking that real life exists away from the Father's house. I pray, O oh Lord, that today they would have the courage to hear and heed your call to come home and to go back, even though they feel they may have failed, but let them see today the Father's arms that are open and ready to welcome them. The robe is pressed, the ring is polished, the shoes are shined, the fatted calf is in the stall, <laughs> and there's no condemnation, there's only welcome awaiting them. Let them come back today to the Father's house. For if we confess with our mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in our heart that God has raised Him from the dead, we shall be saved. Lord, let us not be satisfied with superficial religion. Deliver us from just the religious games that we play with each other. Let us go deep today. Deep with you. Deep into your grace. Deep into your love. Reveal to us, Holy Spirit, the deep things of God as we read in 1 Corinthians chapter 2. And I pray, O oh Lord, that we would not let anything keep us satisfied where we are. But let us be willing to forsake all and to follow you. Today, if there's anything in your life or heart that you need forgiveness for, the Lord is here today to do that. He loves you. He cares for you. 